Hello, Charlie Gladstone here and welcome to edition three of my special podcast called Love in a Time of Coronavirus. I've actually taken to not really calling it a podcast. I'm calling it a slow cast or a slow pod. I think slow cast is probably best because having asked people a series of very structured questions, I found that their answers are so considered and gentle and slow that not only did I want to include their answers almost verbatim rather than editing things down as instinctively I would have done, but that I should make a different type of podcast and one where you just listen to the wisdom of interesting but normal people doing normal things in this very strange time. If you haven't listened to these already, then welcome. The three questions that I've asked everyone are, where are you and who are you with? What good do you think will come out of this mess? And please tell me something really good you've discovered or found again or started doing. I sent those questions to a number of friends on the weekend of the 4th and 5th of April. I'm recording this on the 7th of April and I've had loads of replies and I'm really grateful to everyone who has replied to me. First today is the food and portrait photographer, Patricia Niven, whose work I absolutely love. Patsy's been a terrific supporter of the Good Life Experience and last year we commissioned her to do a series of portraits of all of the chefs and food speakers that we had at the festival and we will be turning that into a book as soon as we have a moment. If you're on Instagram, um, do follow Patricia Niven but also have a look at the Chicken Soup Project which is a project that she has recently taken on on Instagram. So that's at the Chicken Soup Project, which is really rather wonderful. Anyway, this is what Patsy had to say. Hi, Charlie. It's Patricia Niven here. I'm currently at home in central London with my partner, Sarah Winman. She is working on her fourth novel, and I am spending mm, quite a lot of time on Instagram. I think the good that can come from this situation will be the healing of the earth, the much needed healing. I also think that many people were virtually running on empty and that this has allowed, allowed for a collective rest. The, um, the really good thing that I've discovered has been online art class, Zoom art classes. I really love real world art class but I'm really finding being able to continue practicing with a teacher um, virtually is really satisfying. I've also um, been able to use this time to start on a project that's been on my mind for quite a few years. It's called The Chicken Soup Project. You can find it on Instagram. Friends and cooks and chefs have been contributing their recipes. There are vegan and vegetarian versions as well. And the range of recipes, plus the warm words coming from contributors and readers has been really overwhelming. I'd really love to increase the range of recipes, I guess the global range of recipes. And um, due to my mother being Kenyan, I'm especially interested in growing the African recipes. Um, but I'll take them from anywhere. Thank you so much. 
Next up is Sarah Helen. Sarah is in charge of craft at the Good Life Experience and puts together all of the tents and other craft offerings that we have at the event. Sarah also publishes uh, a magazine called Journal, which is actually spelt J-W-R-N-A-L, because it's a publication about craft in Wales and it's really spectacular. It's a passion project for her. You can follow that on Instagram if you look at journal, J-W-R-N-A-L underscore Wales. I was very struck by something which she wrote on her Instagram on Sunday, which is that she said, it's the first Sunday of the month, I'm here in your inbox. A lot has changed, but some things remain the same. On day one of the lockdown, I gathered a page of all the good things I found going on in Wales as a reaction to the current situation. It blew me away. and. If just for a few minutes, it took my mind to the positive side of this crazy time. She is a great advocate of supporting local business and of independence and making things with your hands, making things in proper ways. And so here is what she had to say. I'm at home. I'm with my puppy, Mably. Um, she's definitely been keeping me entertained for the last couple of weeks. Um, what good do I think will come out of this situation? I think a lot of good will come out of it in lots of different ways. Most notably on my radar, I've seen so many good news stories of independent businesses um, diversifying their offering, creating new concepts, adapting to change. I think this has been a real kind of challenge. Um, and so many people have changed the way that they think and the way that they work so that they can survive and also, more notably, um, change their offering completely so that they can provide a service. So distilleries, um, you know, creating hand sanitizer, fac clothing factories creating NHS garments. I think there's some seriously positive stories coming from this, um, which we can all kind of learn from. I hope that this kind of sense of community spirit will continue I've been volunteering locally, doing some deliveries, and I've really got to know this kind of inner community spirit that I've not really been a part of before in my local area. Um, I've got to, you know, recognise some local faces, and I kind of discovered places I didn't really know existed. And a lot of that is down to having a bit more time, which is something I'm always, um, you know, fighting for. And one thing I think I will never take for granted again is having time. Now, as this is a slow cast, I have been talking about albums that are particularly long and that require a lot of work. I've already talked about Bitches Brew, about Sandinista and about Sign of the Times. And I was contemplating some of the other long albums that I absolutely love and The Wall by Pink Floyd came to mind. I don't think it's the most fashionable of Pink Floyd's albums, but for me, it's the one that I loved. It introduced me to Pink Floyd just at the point that I decided that they weren't a bunch of worthless old hippies. It came out in 1979, and in the years before that, I'd been deep into the throes of punk and new wave, and of course, for those of you that will remember those days, you couldn't possibly like Pink Floyd and, say, the Ramones or the Jam or the Clash. And I was very much in the Ramones and the Jam and the Clash camp. 
It's an incredibly pompous and sort of bombastic album, but it's absolutely packed full of amazing tunes. And I defy you not to fall in love with it if you give it your time. I think that there are, as I say, more credible Pink Floyd albums, but that's an absolute winner. So, so give that a try, play it in order. The film starring Bob Geldof is not something that I think I would particularly advocate. I'm pretty sure that was directed by Alan Parker, but that wasn't quite as great as the album, but the album absolutely stands the test of time. So that album came out in 1979, and in either 1980 or 1981, the internet gives both years, I went to see Pink Floyd play that album at Earl's Court. I only actually managed to see the first half of the show because we were at boarding school and we actually um, bunked off school for the day. And I think by the time it got to, I don't know, I suppose it must have been about sort of 10 o'clock at night, we realised that we probably had to try and sneak back in rather than seeing the whole show through, which was a shame, but it was absolutely worth it because I can still remember the sort of enormous theatrical brilliance of that show. And it's a good notch on the list of gigs to have gone to. Anyway, back to the slow cast. Next up is Dan Kieran, author and chief executive officer of the massively disruptive publisher Unbound. Here are Dan's thoughts. Hey Charlie, thanks for your excellent questions um, and thank you for asking me these questions. I'm very honoured that you would be interested in my answers. Question one, where are you and who are you with? I am in Salisbury, in my house that I moved into in October, so feeling quite like that was a good decision, moving out of London, which is where I was before. And I'm with my wife, Isabel, who's uh, three months pregnant, and our son, Ted, who's three. Um, I'm not with my two other kids tonight, but... Um, they're coming next week for Easter, so I'm really looking forward to that, even though it's going to be weird, not, not like other Easters. Question two. What good do you think will come out of this mess? Gosh, that's such a big question, isn't it? Um, what good do you think will come out of this mess? Well, I am, a, I am an optimist, so I'm always looking for positives all the time. So... I th I can see massive human progression coming out of this. I mean, I don't know about you and everyone listening, but I'm certainly not going to go back to normal afterwards. Um, there's lots of things in my life I've realised that I haven't been doing before that I should have been doing. One of them is I commute to London three days a week. Well, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, I've discovered joys like sitting on the bench in my garden in the sunshine, drinking a cup of tea, which I would never normally have the time to do. So small things like that. Um, but also, I think my whole life, and I think lots of people understand this, I've sort of felt like there's always been this kind of unspoken silence between the way we want things to be and the way they are. And there's always been that gap, and it's always seemed impossible to cross that gap. You know, if you ask anybody what matters in their life, they'll tell you it's the people that they love and work with purpose and meaning, community. You know, they'll talk about words like that, but then you kind of look at the big structures that run our lives and you don't really see much of that. Something gets lost anyway. 
Anyway, so I think that gap, that gap between the way we kind of know we want things to be and the way they are, which has always seemed so impossible to cross, doesn't seem so impossible to cross anymore. And that's the good I can see coming out of this, that because we're all, I think before that gap, we were kind of, we were all, I certainly was, waiting for somebody else to cross it for me. But throughout this crisis, I've kind of realised that I need to cross that gap. And we've all, maybe we all need to cross that gap and kind of get involved. Um, and then maybe the gap won't be there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking complete restructuring of society, community-based. Let's care about the people that, you know, let's prioritise the people that really do make a difference. And they are the people that up until now have been rather taken for granted and neglected. Um, so, yeah, I'm really optimistic, but I think we're going to have to be on our toes, those of us that want that. We can't wait for that. I think after this, when, we, when the lockdown's over and people can go back to normal, in inverted commas, I think there's a window of opportunity. And I think we all owe it to each other to, to act, you know, to do stuff, to try and make that difference, make that reality that we want to see. We've got to all do that ourselves, you know. That's what I think. Question three. Um, please tell me something really good you have discovered, found again, or started doing. Okay, well, this is a good question, because I've been doing loads. Um, my wife, Isabel, and I and two neighbours started a WhatsApp group for our street, which was really interesting, because we talked about doing it, and for a long, for like a kind of a week, I think, I was kind of so pleased with myself at the idea of doing it that I almost didn't need to actually do it. I sort of was quite congratulating sort of congratulating myself on how community-minded that would be without necessarily actually going through with it. And But I kind of decided, Isabel and I talked about it, and we were like, no, 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 we'll, let's, let's really do this. So we printed out 100 copies, because there are 100 houses on our street. And I, I remember the minute before I went out to do it, and I was like, oh, God, do I really want to do this? This is quite embarrassing. I'm going to put this letter through everyone's door with, my, with Isabel's phone number and my phone number, and... Spencer and Katie's number up the road and and I thought God what if people really do need help like we're saying let's join this whatsapp group and then everybody needs help there'll be someone to help and then I kind of realized well that would be me helping and I sort of paused on my way out and thought God there's going to be someone really annoying on the road that's going to be really demanding and do I I'm busy do I really need this anyway thankfully I ignored that voice and I went and did it and it's just led to the most extraordinary community explosion on my road. And we now have, a, there's like 100 messages a day and it's literally people going out of their way to help each other. And it's, I've never felt more, what's the word? You know, normally when you sit in your house and you're kind of aware of the walls around you and you're kind of aware of your little patch that is yours and you're kind of locked in. I don't feel like that now. I sort of feel like, my whole street is my home in a way that I've never had before. So that's really beautiful. So I'm really, that's an amazing thing. The other thing I've done with my friend Carlo, Carlo Novato, um, is we've been doing pretty much every day for the last, I think maybe even two weeks now, since the lockdown, we do Instagram Live and we basically talk about philosophy. And... He's a big fan of Seneca, so we, we're talking about Seneca 
one of his books. And basically, Carlo talks about philosophy and and my my obsession and his too is that philosophy is meaningless unless it resonates in your normal day to day life. So we're basically trying to pull the words of Seneca in these letters into something meaningful for everyone's daily lives. And to be honest, it's just two mates chatting and we're both feeling pretty vulnerable. We both run businesses that are, you know, under the cosh at the moment, such an extraordinary time. Um, So we're basically two friends that run companies who are, you know, just trying to get through it like everybody else. But it's been really amazing. And it's sort of, I think it might have saved me during this process because what's brilliant about talking about philosophy is that it kind of, it sort of centres you from an awareness perspective. And because we've been doing it pretty much every day, it means every day at like 10.30, that's normally when we do it, my day kind of starts with a kind of rooting in philosophy, which does, it affects my outlook for the rest of the day. And it's been massively interesting. And we've both talked about stuff that we weren't intending to talk about. And it's just a chat, really. And neither of us are experts in philosophy, but we are enthusiasts and curious about it. So it's on his Instagram feed. He's Carlo Novato. Um, and we do it every morning at 10.30. And you know what? I would never have done it, or the WhatsApp group for that matter, without this virus. And I kind of now realise that this chat with him specifically, I've always wanted to do it, but I've never really found a way of doing it. So I'm kind of grateful. And I've been feeling grateful a lot, actually. I feel grateful about... I don't know. I seem to have a lot more time to be aware of the things I have to be grateful for. So that's encouraging. Anyway, gosh, I've done nearly eight and a half minutes. I'm sure that's too long. Anyway, loads of love, Charlie. Thanks for asking this for me to do this and um yeah really hope i see you soon in the flesh that would be great hugs all round right everyone's going to be hugging like crazy when this is over bye thank you very much indeed dan next we have my friend russell cameron i've known russ for about 30 years he is in my opinion one of the best menswear retailers in Britain. He has a business in Aberdeen called Kafka, which many of you may know from their online offering. And he is, in my opinion, not only a really nice guy, but one of the most considered retailers. He he only sells brands that he believes in. He needs to believe not just in the way that the products are made, but in the people that make them. And he works tirelessly with his brother David, so it's a proper family business. And I asked Russ what he was up to. The answer to the first question is, I think you'd probably have guessed that I'm here in the store with David at the moment. We're just uh, coming to the end of the week and um, doing all the necessaries. What good do you think will come out of this mess? the positive side of I would like to think that we will become more considerate to others and the, the planet and the environment. And I would like to think also that um, we would give our nurses and doctors and teachers and police a little bit of a higher standing in modern society because I think that's something that's probably 
gone by the wayside. You know, I think in the present circumstances we've seen how brave and selfless the, the doctors and nurses are. From a personal point of view, you're looking at them putting their lives on the line every day. Something good that's come out of this is probably, you know, those I've maybe looked at those around me and just sort of um, maybe considered how fortunate and lucky I am and, you know, looked at things and maybe um, seen some things I've maybe taken for granted. Um, but that that's, that's, not, that's a good thing and um, hopefully um, I can <laughs> write this at some point. Um, finally, we have Damien Barr, the writer, columnist and playwright. I'm impressed from his Wikipedia page to learn that Damien is a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts, um, which I didn't know. I did know that for, he was the long-term host of the Literary Salon at Shoreditch House. He's very involved in the Cheltenham Literary Festival. Um, he's presented several editions of Front Row on Radio 4. And in 2013, he published the absolutely wonderful Maggie and Me, which is a story, true story, about his childhood in Glasgow at the time of Maggie Thatcher's power. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. Last year, he published a novel called You'll Be Safe Here, which I also loved, despite it having a real baddie in it called Gladstone. And here is Damien answering my questions. I am Damien Barr and I am in Brighton with my partner and our three chickens, Blanche, Blythe and Dolly. And they are really enjoying having us at home because it's lots of extra treats for them and lots of extra fuss. What good do I think will come out of all this? I think there's potential for huge good and I'm very wary of sounding like Donald Trump when I say huge. But I really think can, that things cannot go back to the way they were. That would be the worst of all possible outcomes, as Aaron Datty Roy said at the weekend. We need to make change. We've needed to make it for a long time and we've known it. And this has accelerated positive change. People working in different ways, people living in different ways. And what we need to do is ensure that when necessity is no longer the mother of invention, we continue to be inventive and positive and reach out to those people who have really struggled economically, socially, financially, emotionally because of this and ensure that they are not only just not left behind, but taken forwards with the rest of us. And I'll tell you what I've discovered that I really like doing, which is checking my seeds every morning. I planted some at the beginning of this and I'm watching them grow day by day. And it gives me huge hope, that is, if my chickens don't eat them. Well, that's it for today's Love in the Time of Coronavirus slowcast. I will be back with a number um, of other answers in a couple of days. Thanks so much for tuning in. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I hope that you're safe and I send you lots of love and I will see you soon. Bye bye.